tonight uh, to Exodus chapter 17 tonight. Exodus 17. Now, we, uh, we, we're so thankful tonight that we have children down the hall learning the Bible, learning verses, and uh, just having a great time of fellowship with one another and a good time, and, and uh, that's such a blessing, and we're thankful for our teenagers uh, right up on the corner here, uh, up on the hill here, and, and uh, they're having service tonight, and uh, they're probably in singing at the moment and getting ready for preaching and uh, we want to pray for them this evening uh, that uh, God would fill them up and do great things. But I, 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 really, uh, I really want to emphasize right now the significance and the importance of praying. And uh, that, is, that is my main push on Wednesday nights now. And what we're going to do tonight, we're going to look here in chapter 17, and we're going to look at all 16 verses and I'm going to give you some observations from this uh, chapter tonight. And uh, just some things for us to think about that I want us to be praying. I have a mindset of praying. And so I'm praying for the Lord to direct my heart every Wednesday in, in how to help our church to focus on particular issues. And uh, uh, praying for uh, these needs. And so... Uh, we're going to break up in a little while and, and spend some time praying those who are comfortable in doing it. And uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. And I really want to do things differently and uh, each and every week. But um, I believe in the power of prayer. Do you say amen? I believe in the power of prayer. I do. And, and I, I believe that we need God's intervention, interaction... Uh, in everything, in everything that we do, everything. And so uh, I, I spend a great deal of time praying myself and praying for you specifically and personally and praying for the ministries of our church, the direction of our church, the vision of our church. And I spend time praying for individuals in our community who are dealing with different things. And I just, I just want to... Um, not create, because it's already here. I'm, I'm not trying to institute something new. I'm just trying to stoke a fire, okay? I'm trying to uh, put wind on that and uh, that we just get a flame burning here and that God's people are constantly in a spirit of prayer. I was, um, I was talking to someone this week and I was talking about a particular pastor and uh, his philosophy of revival and his, his prayer, and I loved his philosophy, his prayer is that his church is always in a state of revival. And for that to happen, it, it comes through praying. It's, it's God's people seeking the Lord all the time. Not, not, not just for four days on a calendar. And we're praying for God to do extraordinary things in uh, March the 6th through the 9th. I talked to Brother Norris today, and uh, he is looking forward to coming and uh, being a help to our church. But I really want us to have revival before we get there. Amen? And uh, I, I don't want us to wait till that moment 
And I'm praying for God's people to get here on a Monday night or a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night so they get revived. I'm praying for a constant spirit of revival in our church. So we get to Exodus chapter 17. And we were looking at last week, uh, we were looking at Moses speaking of Pharaoh and asking Pharaoh to let his people go. And we saw numerous times, seven times in fact, that every time he said, let my people go, he says that they may serve me. And so God was wanting to release his people from the bondage of Egypt so that they would go and serve. And God, thankfully, God doesn't save us by what we do, but he does save us to do some things. He wants our life to be a life of service and worship unto him. And so finally, Pharaoh let his people go. And, and of course, we know, I'm just skipping through this, they, they get to the Red Sea and, and uh, Pharaoh's changed his mind and his army is chasing after them and God's people are afraid. And, and, and you remember, well, I'm going to refer back to this in a moment, so I won't go there now. But God told Moses, he says, I want you to go forward, keep going forward. And Moses raised that rod in his hand and God sent the wind and he parted the Red Sea and everybody crossed. And when everybody got across, he dropped his hands and the waters came down and, you know, just swamped the Egyptian army and wiped them all out. And uh, only God can do that, right? Only God. And, and uh, God continued to do, wouldn't you think this? Stephen, wouldn't you think that if God did something like that for you, you would never doubt him or go away from him? All of us would probably say, absolutely. But God, God has saved us from our sins, Darren, and he's, and he's promised in his word that we have an eternal home in heaven. If, if he promised that and he's given that to us, why do we doubt in the small things in our life, right? And so we read the Bible and we think, oh, if that had happened to me then I would never doubt the Lord. But God does things for us all the time. He answers prayers that we know he has answered. I can tell you this. I, I have been so encouraged lately because the Lord has answered some really big prayers in my life that I have been praying about and haven't mentioned to other people, and he has done it in his way, in his time, that I just stand back and I say, man... God is good. You know, he, he did that. He, he heard my cry. He heard my petition and he loves me and he answered me. And he leads them through there and you think they're never going to doubt, but, but they get to that water and that water's bitter and they're complaining and, and, and they don't want this bitter water. And so the Lord told Moses how to take care of that and gave them sweet water, right? And uh, that's where sweet tea comes from. Do you know that? It is, Yeah. So, so, so he, he gave that to them. And then they go a little further and they say, well, we're hungry. We have nothing. And, and he gives them manna. He, he gives them their daily bread enough for each day, right? And he does that. And he, he's constantly doing that. But God's people are constantly saying, oh, man, God, just a, he's just not that good. He's just not that good. And we have a tendency to do the same thing to murmur and complain about the Lord. We get to Exodus 17. Let's read verse 1 and then we'll pray tonight. 
And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin. After their journeys, according to the commandment of the Lord, and pitched in Rephidim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Father, bless your word tonight. Open our heart to the scriptures. Father, I am excited. I am passionate. I am fired up over this particular subject and this particular chapter. And I'm praying that you will help each of us this evening. Bless our children, our teenagers, as they're learning. Give them minds and hearts that are like a sponge and want to soak everything up. And uh, Lord, may they, may they hide your word in their heart that they may not sin against you. And do a wonderful work in their life. Bless the children in the nursery. Those who are taking care of them. So that moms and dads can be in this auditorium. Or somewhere else serving the Lord tonight. Bless those who take care of that need. Help us this evening we pray in Jesus name. Amen. I want us to understand first of all in verse 1. Okay. It says the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after that's that's what it was called it was called sin that particular wilderness after their journeys according underline that phrase in that verse according to the commandment of the lord what i want us to understand is this they were exactly where god wanted them to be amen understand that they are not Ahead of the Lord, they are not out of the will of God. They are following where God led them to go. Led them to go. And even though they were, they were dry and parched, it says at the end of the verse that there was no water for the people to drink. It says the children of Israel, I want us to understand, were exactly where God had led them. Go back to chapter 13. And uh, this is really the only time we're going to... Ch- change uh, chapters tonight, and I just want us to see what the Word of God says in verse 17 of Exodus 13. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. That was the quickest way. But God says, I'm not going to lead them that way. And the reason is, God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. God knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly where we're supposed to be. He knows exactly what we need. Okay, let's get this straight. He knows exactly what you and I need. And it may be a place where we're dry or we're facing a Red Sea and the enemy is coming. But God says, I don't want you to go the the short, easy route. I want you to go this way. Understand that tonight, okay? The easy way is not always God's way. The quickest way is not always God's method. And he says at the end of that chapter, I, I want to, well, we looked at it last week. And the Lord, verse 21, went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So, so Thomas, 
the Lord led them in the daytime and he led them in the nighttime. And as long as they followed the Lord, they would be exactly where God wanted them to be. And so when we get to chapter 17, they were meant to go to Rephidim. They were meant to pitch their tent in this particular location at a place where there was no water. Understand that tonight, and it'll help us going forward. Then he goes to verse 2 and 3, and let's read that. It says, Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide you with me? Wherefore do ye tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water. I'm thirsting for some water right now, I'll just tell you. And, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Wherefore is this that thou hast brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? Now, it says in verse 2 that they chided with Moses, which means that they were contending with or they were striving against him. So they're coming to him and they're not happy. They're, they're not happy right now. They're thirsty, they have a need, and so they go to Moses. And the people want to blame Moses for their predicament. He is, he is the one that's leading them there. All Moses is doing, Keelan, all he's doing is following the Lord, right? And all the people are doing is following the Lord. But they're not happy where they are right now. And so they just look at Moses and they get upset and they get mad and they want to blame him now. Someone had to be at fault because it certainly could not be the Lord's will to lead them to a place where there's no water. Surely, if God loves us, God wouldn't put us in that situation. So it has to be someone's fault. And they, they go to Moses and they blame him. But I got news for you tonight. Moses was without water too. He's thirsty too. He didn't have water. And so he is, he is parched as well. Yet he continued to follow the Lord rather than seeking someone to blame. Are you with me tonight? Rather than, rather than seeking someone to blame, he's, he's trying his best to follow the Lord. And the truth is, the accusations against Moses was just the surface of the problem. Because if you look down at verse number 7 with me, you'll see, you'll see their, the real issue is their questioning of God. Because Moses said in verse 2, why, why tempt you the Lord? And then he says in verse 7... He says at the end of the verse, And because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Have you ever said, Oh man, he's good. I knew I'd, I knew I'd offer that appeal and somebody would answer. Listen, have you, ever, have you ever questioned whether God loves you? Is that not stupid? That's just... Brother, that is full. I'm sorry, excuse me. That is, that is just silly, isn't it? Does God, God really does love me. I mean, that's, we've all done it. I've done it. And I've, I've wondered if, if God loves me, well, why am I in this situation? Why? I'm praying. I'm trying to do the right thing. Why is God not answering? Well, what, what is the deal? The, the, the real issue here is they tempt the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? 
So the question tonight is this, is God sovereign or is he, or, or not? Is, is God in control or not? Is God on the throne or not? Is, is God leading us or not? That's, that's, that's always... Because they're saying, Moses, why did you lead here to kill us? We were alive in Egypt. Lots of them are dying. But they said, we were alive in Egypt and you brought us here and you're going to kill us. They, weren't, they were never better off in Egypt. And would you get this? Israel was always begging to go back to Egypt, but they never did go back. And I'm thankful for this. That once I'm saved and washed and under the blood of Jesus Christ, I may want to go back to my old way of life. But I am always going to belong to the Lord. They never did go back. They never could get back to there. But they're blaming him. And the problem really was this. They didn't really believe God was in control. They believed Moses was in control. And so they argued and they, they had a difficult time with him. And many times we want to get mad, angry, even to the place where we become bitter to the point that we want to complain and strive against others. And the Israelites thought Moses couldn't possibly be right because if he was, if, if, if he was our throats wouldn't be so dry right now. Because certainly God wouldn't put us here. God wouldn't lead us to a place where we're hurting, we're suffering, and we have a need. Certainly, Moses has to be out of the will of God. And if we'll be honest with ourselves, we'll discover the real problem is not what others have done, but our lack of faith that God knows exactly what he is doing. So Moses named the place Massa and Mirabah in verse in verse number 7, because the chiding of Israel and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? You and I, we have to be careful to not place confidence in the Lord only when our well, and our, our well is full and our bellies are full. It's easy, Billy. It is easy to put trust in the Lord when everything is perfect. But everything is not going to be perfect every day. It's not going to be. And as long as we're on this spiritual high, we want to praise the Lord. But sometimes down in, the, down in the dryness where you have nowhere else to look except for God to do something that only God can do, that is not the time where we start to say, someone's at fault, someone's at blame, God's not in control. God is in control. we got to get to that place. We have to wait on the Lord... And see what he reveals while remembering this principle, and it is this. It is better to be thirsty while in the will of God than to have our way and be outside of the will of God. Amen? Now, what they would discover was that the Lord would provide just as he had done many times before. Look in verse number 4. And Moses cried in the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. Moses didn't ask water for himself. He understood the seriousness of the situation. And he interceded for those who were ready to stone him. And the second principle is this tonight. 
This is, a, this is a lesson we need to learn. The person you and I may be critical of could very well be the person praying in God's blessing on our behalf. And I want us to understand the third principle tonight. It's more important to build one another up than it is to tear one another down. Amen? So Moses says, what, what do I, what, Lord, what am I going to do? These people are ready to stone me. They're ready to kill me. What, what shall I do unto these people? And in verse 5 and 6, the Lord told Moses what to do. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee of the elders of Israel, and thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river, take in thine hand, and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Oreb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and everybody took a drink. Praise the Lord for that. Amen? So, so God answers. Why did God do that? Why did God lead in the Red Sea? Because it was important for them, Danielle, to learn to trust God could do it even when it looked impossible. And when the waters were bitter, God could make them sweet. And when there was no water at all, there's just a rock, God could make water come from it. And when you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 4, the Bible says that Jesus is our spiritual rock. And he was smitten on a hill called Calvary. And he said in John chapter 4 to the Samaritan woman at the well, he said in verse 10, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest ask of him, and he would have given thee living water. He goes on in verse 14, But whosoever drinketh of this water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. I'm thankful that you and I can take a drink from the rock. Amen? Jesus is our rock. And he was smitten upon the cross of Calvary. And he died so that you and I might have life. And life is all, where there's water, there's life. And in him, there's water that we will never get thirsty spiritually ever again. Now, I'm thankful I'm saved. I'm thankful my sins are forgiven. But I don't know about you, but I fight daily this thing called my flesh. And after they had taken a drink from the rock, they took a drink of that water, verse 8. Amalek shows up. If you do a study of Amalek, Amalek in the Bible is a type of the flesh. It says that Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Remember, they're exactly where God wanted them to be. And if God is sovereign and God is control, he knows that Amalek is coming. In verse 16 of this chapter, you look at the end of the chapter. It says, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. You go back to verse 14, and he also says in verse 14 that he will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. There's always a battle spiritually with our flesh. But one day we'll put off this robe of flesh and we'll get that new body. Amen? And that is where we get in the presence of Almighty God. Now... Let's look at what happens here in verse number 9. 
Amalek shows up, and Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Now this is the first time in Scripture that Joshua shows up in the Bible. We know from studying Joshua the significance that he plays in the role of Israel. Here he shows up, and the first thing he is doing is battling the children of Amalek, the people of Amalek. And Moses tells him, you get you some men and you go out and you fight with them. His job was to destroy the Amalekites. So Joshua leads them, the men into battle, and Moses and Aaron and Hur go to the top of the hill. Read with me verse 11. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. When Moses did this number, Joshua and the people won. When his hands got tired and heavy, and they do, don't they? They get tired and they get heavy and you start wanting to drop them and you start looking for a seat, don't we? And your hands go down and then the Amalekites won. Which is always amazing to me, because I want you to think about this. If anybody should be getting tired and weary, shouldn't it be Joshua and the men? They really are. But I will tell you this. Alan, there is, there is something to be said about spiritual warfare. There's something to be said about a spiritual battle. And it takes a great toll on us physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And sometimes we're fighting things that we don't even realize. And I'll, I'll tell you this, Jesse. Israel's fighting some things. They're fighting themselves. They're fighting their past. They're fighting Satan. They've been dealing with Egypt. They're, they're fighting with the unknown of their future. They're fighting with their doubts, their lack of faith. There's a spiritual battle always taking place. And Moses is up there. And as they're battling, he raises his hand. Why did he raise his hand? I don't know. I just know that he did when they crossed the Red Sea. He, he often, he raised his hand and God did something. So he decides, well, I'm going to raise my hands. And while he's watching, Israel's winning. And when he gets tired and says, well, maybe it don't really matter. I'll just put my hand down. Suddenly, Amalekites are winning. So what happens in verse 12? Do you ever get tired of praying, Brandon? You ever get tired of praying? Or you think, you know what? I know I need to pray, but now's not the time. Or, or I just got, I'll pray after I do this. I, I, I'll, I'll just tell you, Sandra, I'll just tell you, I fight this battle. Wouldn't you think it would be more important for me to spend a lot of time praying before I start studying as it would after I start studying? But I think sometimes, Lord, I'm just busy. I really got to learn this. Wouldn't I learn it quicker if I just let God teach me? Can I get amen? I'm just being honest. Thank you, Johnny. I'm just being honest and transparent with you. I think, well, I know I need to pray, but also, Lord, I got to do A, B, C, D, and E. And it's all for you, and I can do it. No wonder I'm tired and I'm weak and I'm sickly and I'm struggling. 
You ever get that way? So he says, I hold my hands up for the people. And they're winning. And when my hands go down and I get tired, they start losing. So Aaron and Hur come up beside them. Look at verse 12. And Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. They got on both sides of him. They pulled him up a big stone so he could sit down. And they got beside him so that he could just put his hands on their shoulders and just let his hands rest. And while he did that, the people, you see in the next verse, verse 13, they discomfited the Amalekites. From the, from, till, the, till, the, till the time the sun went down with the edge of the sword, Joshua and the people won the battle. See, this is what I want us to get tonight. Every one of us are in a spiritual battle every day. Every one of us deal with situations where we doubt what the Lord is doing. We struggle with our faith. And a lot of times we get to a place where we question if God even knows what he's really doing. Because if he did, why would I be in this position? You may be in that spot tonight. If you're not, you have been before and you probably will be again. And the same people who see God do victories and God do wonders, now they're in the battle and they got to win. They have to win. And you know what they need, Thomas? They need people praying for them. Don't you need people to pray for you? Well, I need people to pray for me. And can I just tell you something, Craig? Some days it's heavy. Is it heavy, heavy, ever heavy for you? Some days it's just heavy. Some days, some days there's something wrong and I don't even know what it is. There are days where I can't sit down, I can't read, I'm just pacing back and I'm driving my wife crazy. Because I just can't settle down because something, something is off. Something is wrong. And I go and I go pray and I get up and I still don't feel good and I go pray. And just something, somebody is dealing with something or there's something happening in my spiritual life that I just can't put a finger on. And you get tired, Amos. And you know what you need? You need Darren over there praying for you, holding your hands up. And sometimes you need somebody to pull up beside you. And either you put your arm around them or let them put their arm on you and lean on you for a little bit and say, I'm here for you. I love you. I'm praying for you. Everybody needs that. So let's close up tonight in prayer. We have the prayer list. We have some things to mention tonight. This is what I want us to do tonight, okay? I want us to do this. I don't want to embarrass anyone, anything like that. This is what I want us to do tonight. 
I want us to break up in small groups, maybe four, five, six people. And I'd like for women to be women and men to be with men. And maybe at least one person pray. Or if you're too shy and you don't want to pray out loud, everybody prays quietly. But would you do this for me tonight? Would you pray for everybody in your group? Would you do that for me tonight? Would you tell them, I'm going to hold you up in prayer this week? Could you do that? I'm going to hold you up in prayer this week. And maybe God puts somebody on your heart and you're going to send them a text and say, listen, you're on my heart. I want you to know I'm going to hold you up this week. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're dealing with, what you're battling. But I'm going to hold you up and I'm going to pray for you this week. I don't know about you, but when somebody tells me that, I immediately start praying for them too. Amen. So, as far as live stream, that's it for tonight. But let's break up into groups.